You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 81. Hey, is that Randy Moss's number? Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Randy Moss. Yeah. 81. We'll go through that. We'll see how, how good we do between 81 and 99. We can get every number every time without stuttering. Uh, that voice you heard there, that handsome devil, Rick Spielman. I'm Ryan Wilson. And today, Rick, it's Tuesday, which means it's time for our favorite segment, Pop or Drop where we highlight some of the top performances from last weekend's college games. And there's also the old Pop or Drop Pro Edition, which is a fancy way of saying we're ranking our top five NFL rookie performances. And, of course, no rookie conversation would be complete without looking at the three first-round quarterbacks um, who had up and down week twos. We'll get to that. So if you're watching us on YouTube at NFL on CBS, you can see the official with the first pick. Uh countdown clock <laughs> i got discombobulated there rick what we got yeah we have exactly 219 days until the 2024 nfl draft and please put a comment in the box about the budget and potentially getting a digital clock to count the 219 days and counting down 219 sounds like a lot but it feels like this thing, this clock's moving faster than one per day. Either I can't add or, or time's moving pretty quickly. I think because uh, you're always busy, but I, I'm busy too. All the homework Debo gives us. So uh, got to stay up on our on our game here. And that's what this podcast is all about. By the way, if you missed last Thursday's show, CBS Sports Draft writer Josh Edwards joined us. Talk about his latest mock draft that featured four quarterbacks and seven wide receivers. We'll talk about some of those quarterbacks today, how they did over the weekend. You can check that show out in the old podcast feed. And Rick, on Thursday, just 48 hours from when we're recording this podcast here, we're doing a mailbag. You can tweet us questions on Twitter. I'm at Ryan Wilson CBS. You can find Debo at NFL Draft CBS. I'll give you Rick's t- Twitter. I don't know if he still looks at it on a daily basis. I have no idea. <laughs> at Spillman under, underscore Rick. In fact, I encourage you to tweet him mailbag questions just to see if he can retweet them. If he retweets them, that's a victory, and we'll probably get to it. If he tweets it out three months from now, you know, you know what happened. All right. And if the spirit moves you, you can always leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts for the mailbag question. Uh, that'll enhance the, op- the chance that, that your question gets answered. It'll probably get answered 100% if you do that. We'll try to answer all of them, or as many as we can. And speaking of five-star reviews, on Thursday, we'll continue working our way through your player evaluations. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, here's the deal. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Nominate an FBS or FCS college player, and we'll evaluate them on this show talk about his draft prospects, and we've started doing that. We'll do some today, and we'll do some on Thursday for sure. We're doing a five-star review today? I think we're going to mix in. 
by happenstance, J.J. McCarthy, who was a request, more than one request. And uh, he had an interesting week. I went back and watched the ECU game, the week one game of J.J. as well. So I've seen a couple now. And uh, we'll talk about him and we'll talk about some other players on this list that I, I'm pretty excited to talk about. Finally, take a second to hit the old thumbs up on YouTube at NFL on CBS. It helps us grow the show and spread the word. All right, Rick. I was in Connecticut this weekend doing some CBS Sports HQ stuff. What would you do this weekend? I was in Fort Lauderdale doing some CBS Sports AQ stuff. I have a co-host at radio show on Saturday nights from 5 to 8 on XM to uh, do all the uh, all the games coming up on the weekend. So, uh, And then I spent most of my time, my free time, doing my homework for Debo. Yeah, I, I, I got in late. We did the with the first, uh, excuse me, the Pick 6 recap show on Sunday night. Got back to the hotel around 2. Got up at nine, went across the street to the coffee place where I got you four or five. Our famous coffee place. Will we go there next year if we're up in uh, yeah. Stanford? If, they, if we're not fired yet, we'll go there. <laughs> and then for the rest of the day, from 10, 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. when I had to go over back to the studio, I was just grinding tape per Debo's orders. And I didn't say request. I said orders. Debo drives a hard bargain. But I think uh, I think it's for, for a good reason because it's pop or drop time, Rick. And we got to start with our guy <laughs> who a year ago was crushing it at the FCS level. And we weren't really paying attention. We knew about Jackson State and uh, Dion, of course. But his son, Shadur Sanders, continues to impress. So that Colorado State game was a ton of fun to watch. I pulled a Spielman and only watched the first half because of the 10 p.m. Eastern start. And then in the morning, I, I caught the highlights of the second half in overtime. And this was the first time it felt like that Colorado had been tested. And that's a weird thing to say when you face TCU and you face Nebraska and then you go up against Colorado State, who, which isn't a Power 5 school. Um, but Colorado State brought it. Now, you can say things got a little chippy slash dirty early on in that game from the Colorado State side. Travis, um, Hunter was lost for a few games with a lacerated liver or kidney, lacerated Very organ. Cheap shot. Very cheap shot. Cheap shot. And um, – the kid that did it, I'm sure he feels bad. He's gotten death threats, and that's a whole other thing. I, we, I would like not to get to that point, but right. Just play, try to play within the rules. Let's go there. Um, but I thought for the first time all season, Shador, who we've talked about each and every week, looked a little out of sorts early. He was getting hit. He got hit in that Nebraska game as well. I thought Nebraska did a good job of, of scheming up ways to get to him. He continues to show that he's maybe more athletic than we thought. He can win with his legs. And I thought as the game get on went on, and as his teammates started falling by way of cheap shot on some occasions, it fired him up. And sometimes you see players get fired up in a bad way and they lose control. And I love the John Watson last night. That's exactly what I was going to say. Two personal foul penalties on face masks by a quarterback. I mean, where do you see that happen? Instead, Shador sort of used that to focus his energies to take it out on that Colorado State defense on the field. And by the way, we'll get to this uh, throughout the draft process, but Colorado state has some dudes that are going to get drafted. Kamara was one of those dudes. I think he got kicked out late for targeting. Um, but what was your takeaway from how Shador Sanders endured the slow start? He had his first turnover worthy play that I can remember from charting all his throws, um, had the interception, then had another one later, but then came back and was just firing lasers in the second half of overtime. Yeah. This kid continues to impress me and it impresses you in a different way every week. And, you know, the first interception I thought was a little bit on the receiver. It looked like it hit him in the hands and kind of spun up. So I didn't, even though it counts as an interception, I didn't think that was on him at all. But I agree with you. You've seen him make some more plays with his legs. You see how tough he is to hang in the pocket. 
I think they have a little bit of a suspect offensive line. Yep. Um, so he's getting pressured a lot. But the thing that impressed me the most, you've seen all the same type of throws. And Colorado State kind of played this cover two or this deep scheme. So there were a lot of open areas and open windows to throw to. But this time, unlike the other games, when the game was on the line in overtime, this kid came through. So every time, even though it's a different pressure situation, whether it's the opener and TCU and his dad, uh, Prime being getting everything all hyped up to the Nebraska game that was different pressure to this game that probably they were heavily favored, I believe. And this goes into double overtime or how many overtimes. But when the game was on the line, this kid came through and made the plays that he needed to make uh, to get them uh, to score uh, late in the game and, and win the game. So this kid, to me, basically said it has all the it factor to him. So he is solidly my QB3 right now. And here's a question I'm going to put to you. Um, I watched Drake May over the weekend. I don't know if you had an opportunity. He's, we're not talking about him today, but we'll certainly be talking about him in the weeks and months to come. Is he going to push Drake May for QB2? Because Drake May played okay. He didn't play great. The numbers look good, but on the field, I had some questions about some of the decision-making. Yeah, I didn't see him this week's game, uh, but I thought he was very uh, – the previous game that we broke down, uh, I know it was in the rain. App State. App State. but the overtime game. Yeah, some throws that skipped uh, that should have went – should have been completions. And, again, it looked like it was really wet conditions and rain conditions. So, um, But that game kind of stuck out as maybe a – a uh, game that he'd probably want to try to come back or a game that he would want back from the way that that performance was to go to OT with App State. But this kid here, I mean, it's amazing. No matter what's thrown, every curveball that's been thrown his way so far, he's had an answer for. Now, he's going to get another curveball this week, I believe. Yeah, Oregon, baby. Uh, and um, we'll see how he responds, especially if he doesn't have some of the playmakers and Hunter particularly uh, available to him and see if he can continue to carry this Colorado team on his shoulders. Xavier Weaver is another wide receiver on that team who's made play after play week after week, and, and we'll be talking about him in the coming weeks as well. Let me ask you about this theory, and you've seen a ton more football than I have. Does it feel – and look, I love the Colorado story, and I love that Colorado is now relevant, and I love what Coach Prime has done for the program and the kids, and I love that his son's getting the exposure that he deserves. But does it feel like when you sort of put yourself out there as us against the world and you have the swagger and you're sort of flaunting it at times, that puts a target on you to have situations where you're – it's not right, but where you have guys taking cheap shots at you on the field to prove that you're not maybe as as great as you think you are. Is that – I do hope it's not coming down to cheap shots just because of the swagger that they have and the swag that swagger that primetime has brought to, to that program. I mean, when you're watching the tape and I, unlike you, I can't stay up past nine 30. So it's tough, man. <laughs> <laughs> I went back and watched the tape. Um, but the electric in that stadium, when's the last time Colorado stadium was filled like that? Cord you know? Cordell Stewart and Michael Westbrook. Yeah. That was an, looked like an incredible atmosphere. And then it seems like people like to poke the bear a little bit, you know, yeah. with the sunglasses and, right. uh, you know, the whole 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 thing with Coach uh, Norval kind of stirred the pot a little bit for the game. So uh, it's – but it's fun. It's like I said, I think it's 
ingest a little bit and it creates yeah. great media and it creates excitement for the fans. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Go. Uh, but some people do it the old school way. Prime's doing it his way. His way is different than any other way. It's working. But it's working. It is working. It'll be interesting to see, though. They're going to hit adversity. Yeah. When it does, the adversity does hit. How do they respond after that? That's and they had adversity in the first thirty minutes, and, and they righted the ship. I, I gave them. I thought that Colorado State quarterback, yeah, he, it was his first start, and he wasn't afraid either. So I think it was a good test. Obviously, not the athletes that they'll see from Oregon, but they could have folded, and and they didn't. And I think there's something to say for that. It was Colorado State Super Bowl? That was hundred percent. That's right. To be on the national stage and the, the whole shoot match. So hopefully they uh, didn't expend all their energy on yeah. future games going ahead, but they played that game like it was the Super Bowl. So I, I have to mention this. It was 28-20 with 206 to go in the fourth quarter. Colorado got their the ball back on their on their own two yard line and Shador led a 98 yard drive to to get to within uh two and then went for two, got that. Then all the throws to number 87, the tight end, who I don't think featured much at all prior to that. And that guy looked like Gronkowski out there making catch after catch. It is crazy. But to your point, some guys shrink in big moments. It feels like Shador, the moment is never too big for him. And he remains calm. Now, look, he got fired up when his teammate and buddy got hurt. I get that. But he focused that energy, like I mentioned earlier. So, again, quarterback three for you, he has to remain there. You're not changing that unless you're moving him up one. No, no, no. He's still three. And you'll be happy to hear I can't come up with a comp for Shador. Does one pop into your head just watching him play this season? Uh, no, I, to be honest with you, because it's a tough one, it's a tough one. He's a tough one to figure out right now. All right. We'll think about that. But I think the easy part of this uh, next question is, uh, pop, 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 man, he's fun. So uh, the sort of talking points is that he's going to return to school. How do you feel about that? Knowing as much as I do about his relationship with, you know, I mean, he has a close relationship with his dad, but do you think he comes back? Yeah. If he does come back, great for him because, uh, I don't know what the 2025 class looks like. To me, this That's is true. This is a very good draft class uh, of quarterbacks. I think there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this draft coming out. But if he comes back and plays like he is and plays another year at the level that he's playing at, at this side, this type of competition, who knows that he doesn't become the number one overall pick in 2020. Yeah. That's a great point that I don't think anyone's talked about, or at least I haven't heard them. The other thing to think about is, and this, if I'd said this eight months ago, you probably would have punched me. But they could be, they could be legit battling for a national title a year from now. Yeah, and and like I said, his buddy Hunter there uh, is not draft eligible, so maybe he comes back and they team up for Man. one more go. That's fun to think about too. Also, it would be nice to have a head start on, on next year's quarterback class should should Shador decide to return, so that'll save us a little homework. All right, man, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I haven't talked with any scouts about the off-field stuff in, in years. And by off-field, I mean just his sort of um, interpersonal skills. But I Spencer Rattler might be my favorite college football player to watch right now because he is so tough. The quarterback for uh, South Carolina played Georgia in some sloppy conditions. 
he will rip any throw. He trusts his receivers implicitly, and sometimes that's to his detriment because he has number 17, Xavier Leggett, who we've talked about on the show before. And after that, there's a little drop-off. The offensive line is suspect, and he just stands in the pocket. He takes hits. You don't see the demeanor sometimes you see from quarterbacks who in the fourth quarter have been hit in the mouth 50 times, and they're sort of exasperated and, and exhausted and trying to get this thing over with. I feel like he – takes on every challenge that comes his way. You see him here, and this still that Devo just put up on YouTube. He's about to get popped in the mouth once again. Not the biggest quarterback, but he's each week, like I said with Shador, he's more athletic than I, than I remember that he is. He has the arm strength to squeeze in the tight windows. And I'm just impressed with, to use an old person term that you'll appreciate, his moxie. Like, he has grit. <laughs> now, again, I know the, he left Oklahoma, and there were reports that he wasn't a great teammate. I don't know if that's changed. I feel like it has just watching him, having no inside information. Where are you on Spencer Rattler? Because I've been impressed with what he's done this season. Yeah, the, the senior citizens that I play against in pickleball say <laughs> that I have some moxie on the pickleball court. Man, you're calling these guys. Out. Are they 100? <laughs> uh, very good term. We'll have to implement that. I'll have to implement that into my reports. There you go. Moxie. Uh, this kid is kind of – I didn't like him last year when we broke him down. Yeah. And the more you watch him, the more he continues to grow on you. I mean, he's got the arm talent. He can make all the NFL throws. This kid gets hit in the mouth and continues to get back up. Every time. The athleticism to make some plays with his legs. Uh, I still questioned a little bit at the end of the game some of his decision-making. I know it was third and 20. They're still in the game, and he throws the interception there. He kind of forced some throws in the coverage late in the game when they still – you'd like to see him live for another down, maybe take the check down that was open underneath and then go forth and then try – try to go get it then. So some of that decision-making in that critical time, uh, because they hung in tough with Georgia at the end. Yeah, they did. But other than that, the release, um, the uh, sense of moxie that he has to there play it is. position uh, has really changed my opinion on him from where I thought I saw at Oklahoma, just TV scouting and what I saw last year when we thought he potentially may come out. But this kid – is going to start moving up draft boards as well if he continues to play the way he has. Yeah, I was talking uh, last fall. I was talking to a Scout about him because I thought maybe he would come out, and he said, "Look, man, here's the deal. He's a developmental quarterback. Everyone wants to make him QB one, which he was a couple years ago, going into that season in Oklahoma where he got benched for Caleb Williams. And the, the reality is, when you watch him, he had a lot of growing to do, and it felt like he's made those leaps. And that's part of the argument, I suppose, for going back to school and getting more reps. Um, but again, people leave and stay for different reasons." All right, here's <laughs> – I have to laugh every time I preface this. Here's my sort of 30,000-view uh, comp for Spencer Rattler. You want to hear it? Oh, God. I know. Brace yourself. Coming out of school, not now, so go back in your time machine. Coming out of school, I see versions of the athleticism and arm strength of Zach Wilson. What do you think? Uh he, yeah, but I also see the poor decision making sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> Zach Wilson has too. I don't. So is that a cautionary tale then? It's cautionary. I mean, it's not that bad. I was expecting worse from you. Yeah, me too. I'll be honest. <laughs> so <laughs> progress. Yeah, much well, like Spencer Rattler, I've gotten better. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. so I'm gonna double down and, and throw something else at you. Spencer Rattler, right now, I have a. Late day two grade. I, I'd agree with that. I think yes. it's way into the Friday conversation as Look of that, day. Though. 
Rick but, is so tired, he's just agreeing with me on things. Yeah, it can go back to Saturday real quick. I right. They make cleaner decisions when at the end of games. Let me ask you this. So what if you're sitting in, in a meeting and uh, the pushback you get from, from the area scout or whomever you're in the room with says, yeah, but that game was on the line. They had to make plays there, and he's not going to win by checking it down with two minutes to go. I understand that, but I also understand there were some opportunities to complete some balls to keep the drive alive, and who knows what happens. Okay. You know, so it's like you're 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 almost trying to force the situation too early when he didn't have to. Yeah, no, I get it. And again, uh, I mentioned him briefly, and we'll, we'll at some point cover him more extensively, but Xavier Leggett continues to pop as uh, just a, a big target who makes plays, contested catch guy. I don't know how fast he is. We'll find out. But whenever the ball's in his area, he seems to come down with it more times than not. I'm a pop on Spencer. Where are you? I'll give him a pop this game because yeah. it was in Georgia and conditions and hostile environment, and he didn't he didn't totally, uh, how do you say it? Uh, Melt down. Meltdown, yeah. <laughs> in the bed, I think. <laughs> All right. We're going to stay in Georgia, go to the other side of the ball there. And I, we talked about Kwame Lasser, the cornerback out of uh, Georgia over the summer. I didn't love his 2022 tape, the, the games that I saw. I was impressed with the way he played in this game. Didn't get a ton of targets. He's long. He's physical. He plays mostly outside. I was really impressed with his run support and his ability to hit and run through wide receivers once they caught the ball. And it looks like he can run straight line, and his change of direction was pretty good for our, for his size. See, okay, you, you can talk about that, but I, I didn't get a lot of, I didn't see a lot of opportunities to run straight line, and I thought the ones that I did, I was like, okay, he's at least trying to stay in phase. So, how did you feel about um, Kamari Lasser's performance? He had two and a half tackles for loss on the stat sheet. <laughs> Interesting. So you were higher on my than than I was over the summer. Uh, no, I will say this: he is a big physical corner. I think he's a zone corner rather than a man corner. Why do you say that? Just because I don't think he's going to run fast enough. Okay. He has some issues, and especially when he gets in a foot race. I think he got beat across the field one time in a foot race. Uh, I love the physicality of his game. I do think he has some ball skills. Um, you know, he had two PBUs in this game, uh, but I questioned his speed, especially if he gets in a foot race. Interesting. Uh, okay, good. The one thing that I did see, and it was the field conditions, though, but he slipped a lot out of his uh, transition closing back. Yeah. Uh, times, and that is just balance and knowing what the conditions are uh, on the field and how much you can, how you can control that a little bit better. But I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not, I'm going to say he's a corner first, but because of the way he hits and the way he, oh, interesting, his ball skills that some may look at him as a potential safety. If he so, doesn't run fast enough. Okay. And when you say fast enough, you th- so if he runs a four five five, what does that tell you? That's going to be, you know, if he's, he's going to have a tough time, you know, versus the speed of these receivers, like, you know, a tease would be like, what if he was on Mims from Denver? Well, that's a wrap. I mean, yeah. <laughs> or Tyreek Hill or some of these other guys that can go. All right. Well, I'm going to throw this back in your face. Cause we just, we have this conversation. What feels like once a week now. Brian Burns ran a uh, Brian Burns. Uh, Brian Branch ran a four five eight. He should have been a first round pick. So, yeah, but Brian Branch played faster on tape. What I've seen so far. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, uh, two other questions. So back in your face. What you say? Back in my face. <laughs> he reversed. He reversed the uh, block shot at me, Debo. Um, the other thing is Kwame Lasseter versus Keely Ringo. Who are you taking first? Uh. 
Lasseter right now because yeah. the physicality part of his game. I think he's more physical than Ringo. Okay, I agree with that. Ringo ended up going in the fourth round to Debo's Eagles. I had Kwame right now as a day two guy, possibly. Possibly, yes. Yeah, yeah. Was, no, he's a he's a he's a Friday talent. I was okay. That. All right, we're on the same page. I'm also. Let's see where you come down on this. I'm going to pop him. I liked I liked what he did and and. I, I would give him a pop because you're all excited about the two big hits that he had, but I'm giving him a pop because of that, but also because he stripped the receiver of the ball or made some plays with the ball in the air twice. I started him with two PBUs. All right, Debo was wondering if we're going to get a drop body on that one, and uh, nope. Pop, pop, pop so far. All right. We're going to stay on the Georgia sideline. Going to go to the offensive side of the ball. Haven't talked about this guy other than uh, briefly in passing, talking about Josh Edwards' mock draft last week. Again, you can check that on CBSSports.com. Brock Bowers, tight end. Tight end one uh, at the end of last season. <laughs> going into this draft class, remains tight end one. I don't know what would have to happen for that to change. And he looks like he is a much better blocker this season than he had been previously. I was impressed. And they lined him up. Fine feather friend. You actually were <laughs> observant on that. That was one of my critical notes here. And it felt like they they're lining him up more in line as well because of that. The thing about him, no question about the athleticism, and that shows up after the catch because they throw him screens, and you got to almost double check to make sure it's not a. Yeah, they're throwing tunnel screens to a tight end. <laughs> yeah, uh, but his run after catch skills are unique. His athleticism is unique. I thought he would have been great to see him make that uh, catch. It was like a, from the slot, he kind of faded out and yeah. thrown behind him, but he almost went up and made a great one-handed catch. Uh, but the thing that I didn't like as much last year that I think he's trying to prove is that he's more than just a receiving tight end. Mm -hmm. And watching him block this game, uh, he's not going to be a you know a guy that's going to drive a defensive end 40 yards down the field. But – his grit, his toughness, his willingness to try to at least get in there and scrap. Moxie. He's tr trying to prove a point. We're, we're going to end that Moxie thing after this podcast. You've already used <laughs> all the Moxie. You can all right. This. We're done with the Moxie moratorium. Go ahead. But I think he's trying to prove to everybody that I am more than just the pass-catching tight end because you saw the Musgraves last year, the Kincaids. Yeah. Okay, they weren't blockers. This kid's trying to prove that I'm better than them, not only from a receiving standpoint, but also that I'm not afraid to throw uh, throw my uh, bag of bones in there and get <laughs> dirty work as well. And you mentioned that, um, I don't know what the route was, was it inside fade or whatever, that just went off his fingertips. But the, yeah. the, the fact that he was able to, to stack the defensive back like he was a Marvin. Yeah, like he was running, running routes as a wide receiver. That's what gets your attention. And you talk about the, look, the blocking obviously is important, but, and maybe he ends up lining up more in line than we would otherwise imagine. But does that affect his draft stock? You think it just because he blocks, he's more willing blocker and he's gotten better at it. Does that? No, I just think that's proven that he's a good football player. Yeah, no, I agree with that. More than one dimensional. Seven catches for 54 yards. Didn't really flash in the sense that he, you know, he made a spectacular play that we've seen before, but I think the, the added elements of his game, including blocking are certainly, certainly something to uh, keep an eye on. And, you know, it's fun to watch. So I, I popped him. Pop. Pop, pop. Do you want to have a comp for him? I don't want to tell you my comp for him. Go ahead. I didn't have a comp for Kamari Lasseter. We'll get around to that. He's, he's, uh, so I said Brock Bowers, you're going to hate it so much, is a more athletic TJ Hawkinson. Uh, well, he doesn't hate it. 
No, I'm not hating. I'm not yeah. hating it today. I don't know where my hate is. I know you're, you're getting soft in your old age. Yeah. Last All week right. to me, I would say uh, is a little bit like uh, if you want to throw a comp as I go through my Rolodex thinking about this, since this wasn't part of the homework assignment. Yeah. Uh, who's the safety at Denver that played corner at Alabama? They just got. Oh, uh, Kareem. Kareem Jackson. Yeah. That's, that's your, would be that's your Kamari Lasseter comp? Yeah. By the way, Kareem Jackson in back-to-back weeks is taking guys out. Jacoby Myers in week one, and then that cheap shot on – who did he hit last week? This one? Oh, um, yeah. Tied in? Yeah, in the end zone. That was oh, – Jeez. I don't know what that's all about. That was a launch. Uh, yeah. I mean, come on. He's going to get suspended, I think. Yeah. I had to, I had to guess. Fine. Do you have a Brock Bowers comp? Or are you okay with more athletic TJ? Uh, that's fine. It's, it's right. early in the process. It is early in the process. All right. Now, if this guy becomes a pop, I will be truly impressed. Going to Tennessee, Joe Milton. And I, I want to like Joe Milton. He is supposed to be a great young man, good teammate, transferred from Michigan. The UVA game to season opener, he looked fantastic. UVA is not a very good football team for a ton of reasons, not all of them football-related. Uh, this week against Florida, they're playing in Florida. Florida, on paper, it, what that, I mean, Tennessee was ranked 11th. Florida was unranked. But Joe Milton looked – he struggled with consistency. He struggles with consistency when he's thrown on the run. And that's a problem when you leave the pocket too early frequently because you're not trusting what you're seeing. He throws with zero anticipation. And we've seen that's a problem that's plaguing Justin Fields now. And it's not all on Justin Fields. That offense is an absolute disaster. But if you're not throwing with anticipation in the NFL, it's going to make your life a lot easier. Um, you see him throw that great touchdown pass, that little seam ball that was layered in perfectly, and then he comes back on a third and six and short hops a slant. And those are the things that drive you crazy when you're trying to figure out what is this going to look like at the next level. And I don't say this to crap on the kid. I'm just saying if you're if you're drafting a quarterback, you have to look at these things and say, okay, what does this mean as we move forward? He's athletic, but he's not Anthony Richardson athletic. I think he's more Drake May athletic in terms of trying to win with his feet down the field. So what are we doing with Joe Milton? The other thing that bothered me a little bit, and I was watching that game a little bit as much as I could, was that it seemed like they had struggled getting the plays in or with the atmosphere and him. They had to use some Ugh. forced timeouts, which yeah. drove me crazy, whether that's game management, what that's him not getting the signal. They're not getting the signals in fast enough to him. I don't know, but there was something, there was a disconnect there too, that they burned some timeouts that I think uh, were preventable. But I don't know the reason where the disconnect was. I agree with you. He was a drop for me. Uh, I do love the arm town. Uh, you know, some of the throws he makes are wild throws both ways. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. So, but there's something that's not, there's some kind of disconnect there, you know, uh, yeah. and what I've seen so far out of him. And I still have a lot of questions. If I knew that the number of quarterbacks that are coming out in this draft and I would really consider him if I was him to go back to school to get another year in. If he has, is that he up. eligible? He's been around forever. Yeah, I don't know if he's eligible or not. But if he's eligible, take another year. But you know, I'm seeing some. You're going to get, you know, and I don't want to compare him yet to him. It's too early. But I'm seeing some Jamarcus Russell in him. Now, just to clarify, just because Jamarcus Russell, you would know better than I. He 
he worked zero hours to get better at his craft. From I don't do anything on the off field. I'm You're just, talking about on the on the field. Okay, I just want to be clear about that. Okay, yeah, it's just what I see on the field because he just locks in, and it's almost like he pre- predetermines his throw. Yeah, and he's throwing it to that guy no matter what. Uh, right. Whether he's open or not open, he doesn't scan the field. He never moves the safety with his eyes. He doesn't process and go through his progressions. It's all, like I said, all or none on what he's seeing. And sometimes the all is great. Sometimes the none is not great. Yeah. And like I said earlier, he, he didn't seem to play with a ton of confidence. And you sort of compare that to what Spencer Rattler's doing, where he's just getting punched in the face and he's getting back up. He's going through his reads. Well, I, you may also, I don't want to make excuse for him too, is that's just maybe experience, you know, because yeah. the Rattler been through a lot of games, been through a lot of a hostile environments. This is his first time starting in his career. And Well, here's the other thing, and Debo just pointed this out to me. He's in his sixth year, so I don't think he can't come back. No. he's. He, yeah, he, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, for me. He gets a lot of balls batted down the line of scrimmage, which is – it's a weird thing when you're six four, six five, and I don't know if that's just because he's throwing 99-mile-an-hour fastballs and everything, and it feels like when he tries to throw the changeup that he struggles with the accuracy. He's pretty good on the short, quick throws, which is, you know, hits the ball. It gives the receiver a chance to, to get yards after catch, but you can't play in the NFL if all you're doing is throwing tunnel screens and you you have a, you know, a Nolan Ryan fastball, to, to date myself with a baseball term. All right, so it sounds like uh, you're a drop. I think I, I'm going to be a drop on this. Your comp was Jamarcus. I wrote down a, a bigger Malik Willis, but I think Malik Willis is further advanced in terms of where he is because Malik went in the third round. Yeah, but Malik Willis was a better athlete. Better, better athlete too. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Joe, Joe's a day three guy, maybe. Like, I, if he got undrafted, I wouldn't be shocked. If no, un- yeah, someone may take a swing on him late just because yeah. of the size and the arm talent, but he's he's a project. He's a project. A lot of tools, but it, I mean, let's be, let's be, it's got to be realistic about it. Okay. A lot of season left. So you can certainly fix that. A guy who's not a project. And my goodness, this guy, his arm must be iced. It was ice his arm down between quarters. Michael Penix, quarterback, Washington. The game plan was to throw bombs and then to throw more bombs. Game plan is to throw bombs. Uh, they played Michigan State. They beat the brakes off Michigan State. I think it was it was at least twenty eight nothing at one point. I don't know how out of hand it got. They had him. Uh, I think Michael played into the fourth quarter. He's definitely played three quarters. Three quarters in, and they were up by four hundred points. He was still throwing bombs. Um, he consistently throws on time and accurate. Um, look, he was he faced zero pressure. This was basically a seven on seven drill for him, but. He throws off platform well. He can throw both going to his left and to his right accurately. He throws with anticipation. The only thing, and we've talked about this and you've mentioned it, he has the injuries, but he's been healthy for a little bit here. That's good. He's a little older, but that doesn't matter when you're a quarterback. I I remain impressed with what Michael Penix Jr. has done, um, given where he was when he transferred from Indiana. Yeah, his biggest negative is his mobility. and uh, But he's putting up numbers and you know it's a shame that everything that's going on at michigan state right now and everything yeah. you know they didn't look like they really came out and competed much this game hard to blame them and there were shots down the field this kid has two pretty good receivers <laughs> and he has a lot of faith in them putting the ball up and them going to get the ball now, i give him credit because he's very accurate as a down the field thrower 
Only negative I have on him right now is the mobility. And um, and can he make get outside the pocket? I don't agree with the accuracy as much outside the pocket as you do. Um, is but, he more athletic than Tua? Because he feels like Tua-ish to me. Now, there you go. Uh, because when he's on time with his throws, that's what makes Tua so good right yeah. now is the timing because he gets the ball out. And when this kid gets the ball out, I know the both left-handers, I don't think he is at Tua's level. No. I just but, mean athletically, though. Uh, Tua may be a little more athlete. Okay. This kid just looks stiff through his lower body and probably because of all the injuries. His knees hurt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he does have arm talent, and uh, he, he's going to catch people's attention. Does anyone throw a better deep ball in college football right now? Uh, Shadir is close. Shadir is close. Caleb Williams can fling the ball deep too. Yeah, we're not. The thing is, we're not even talking about Caleb Williams because we're so caught up in all these other guys, which is pretty funny. And you mentioned the two wide receivers for the Huskies, Rome, Rome Adunze. We talked about him and the summer scouting. Uh, he had a good game, and of course, the other receiver that I actually like a little more, I think you do too, Jalen McMillan, number eleven. Uh, both those guys are just playmakers, and it helps to have a quarterback to get you the ball. Um, and that's exa <laughs> exactly what Michael Penix has been doing. And he's in the final year of his el eligibility as well. You pop? Pop. Does Michael Penix, is he a day two guy? I feel uh, like he is. Yeah, he's he's probably going to be in the Friday. There's a bunch of these guys jockeying for three through seven or eight, whatever they are, the Bo Nixes of the world. The yeah. You're talking about rankings, not draft. Like they're, yeah. 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 And they all may end up in day two. Yeah. That's why I think this is a pretty, very deep draft class for quarterbacks after the two, but not in the first round. It may they may all be Friday guys, but it'll eventually someone's going to pop uh, by the time we get to the draft in 219 days. Uh, <laughs> there may be more guys uh, entering into that first round. More, all right, all right. We'll do a couple more guys here, then we'll take a break unless Debo instructs me otherwise. All right. This is a guy that's been requested on the five-star reviews uh, that they want to hear us talk about him. We talked about him a little bit last week with, with Josh Edwards, who had them going in the first round. Michigan quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. I went back and watched the uh, ECU opener, where, as you warned, there was no defense being played in that game. And it was <laughs> J.J. looked great. Uh, he struggled a little bit in this game in terms of some of his throws, but some of the other throws you, you can see – why he's so intriguing. The athleticism we know about. That offense in, in Michigan, they only on the field for 45 snaps, which is insanely low if you're talking about college football games, which, which can run into the 80s and sometimes 90s for offensive and defensive snaps. Uh, Craig Emilio asked uh, about the J.J. McCarthy of the five-star review, so shout out to Craig for that. Uh, he throws in with anticipation at times. Um, the first interception against Bowling Green, looks like he, lo he was looking left to his tight end. It was covered. He came back to the right. Uh, to try to hit the over, and he didn't see the backside defensive back. And, you know, you would like to have him see that. I don't know the exact reasons for the for the miscue, but it's just something that you make a note about. Um, sometimes I thought he got a little jumpy in clean pockets, and when when he sort of felt there was pressure coming, even if the running back picked up the blitz, and, and that's something you're, you're a little concerned about. And I wanted to see him be a little more consistent on the downfield throws. He threw some darts downfield. One of the touchdown throws was a great throw. Then other ones, he he missed by five or six yards on overthrows. They would come back and layer it in perfectly. So just a little bit more consistency. What did you think? Yeah, I really thought, you know, he played well at the end of last year in the Ohio State game and in the, the TCU game in the shootout. 
although uh, he made a couple mistakes, but he kept bringing them back uh, and had them in the game late. When you watch the uh, first couple games of this season, you mentioned ECU. He looked like he took another step forward. And yeah. Josh said he was his number three quarterback. And I wasn't so sure that he wasn't based off what I've seen so far this year, but I thought he really dropped in this game. He wasn't a pop like he was in the other games that I watched this season. It looked like he was almost, it was Bowling Green. He was almost overconfident mm. and trying to do some of the things that he was trying to do. He's not going to get away with that in the, uh, once they start conference play. I mean, you don't throw an interception in the red zone. That's just a poor decision that he made down there. And he forced some things that he normally doesn't do. So he just needs to go out there and be consistent each week, uh, week in and week out. He does have a strong enough arm. He throws with anticipation. He throws a catchable ball. He makes accurate throws at all levels of the field. He is athletic. He has all the traits that you're looking for. But this game, he seemed to be off or he seemed to be forcing things for whatever reason. And whether it was overconfident or, hey, it's Bowling Green, so I'll take chances here, um, he can't make those same type of mistakes as they go forward into the season. Um, I'll use the word disappointment. You can change it if you want to. More disappointing in Drake May versus App State last week, which was not an ACC opponent, or more disappointed in the Bowling Green performance by J.J. McCarthy? Probably uh, more disappointed in this one. Okay. Because it was nice. There was no weather conditions in this one. Yeah. And Bowling Green came out to play, too. They acted like they were Colorado State out there the way they were dialing it up on defense. Yep. Uh, did it sound like a drop from you? Yes. I'm going to go drop as well. He's still a day two, probably second-round guy for me right now. How you feel about that? Yeah. I, You know, the way he was trending, I would have put him in day one. Yeah. Uh, but then this game, all of a sudden, you like, let's put on the brakes here. Let's wait and see what he does yeah. when he plays against some of the big boys. You want to hear my comp? Yeah, I'd love to hear your comp. I, right. I look forward to your comps. I really do. Hold on to your seat there, buddy. Desmond Ritter. Oh, I lost him. He's a better arm than Desmond, but it's just the athletic. More accurate passer than Desmond Ritter. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, that was one of my big concerns with Des yeah. coming out. Maybe similar type athlete. I don't yeah. think it's the same size as Desmond Ritter. Who's bigger? You think Des is bigger? Yeah. Okay. Des is pretty thick. thick yeah. So, uh. So I would say athleticism, I would agree with you. Accuracy, this kid, when he doesn't do what he did in the Bowling Green game. <laughs> when he doesn't throw three picks, he's really accurate. <laughs> he is where I agree. And I think he has a little better arm. Um, but plenty of time to sort out this stuff here. All right, one more name, and then we'll hit a break here. Wide receiver. And we're going to talk some wide receivers when we talk about the NFL guys too, but this is our wide receiver college conversation. You mentioned his name earlier. We talked about him in summer scouting, LSU's Malik Neighbors, number eight. He was all over the tape last year when we were trying to squeeze the, the blood out of the turnip that was Kayshawn Booty. Malik Neighbors became the first Power 5 player with 10 receptions, 150 receiving yards, and two touchdowns since Devonta Smith in 2020. And a half. And a half what? I can't read the bottom of the screen. In a half. He oh, had in a half. I missed a bit. Oh, that's a big part. Yeah, I couldn't read that yeah, part. That's, I uh, too small. that's a critical piece not to forget. Yeah, thank you for that part. Uh, basically, he's Puka Nakua is what I'm hearing. <laughs> what a world we're living in. So let's talk about Malik quickly here. Um, he played. They line him up everywhere. Outside, slot. They stacked him up. Uh, he's thrown the ball before, so he does all sorts of things. And uh, I targeted all uh, 12 targets he had or 12 right. catches. 
No, he had 13 catches. Sorry. 13 targets, all catches. Yeah. So they had him running a bunch of hitches. He ran some shallows. Uh, he ran an out route, corner, inside fade, curled. So they have him doing everything. Stutter go. He was absolutely destroying the defensive back. He did it twice. And, and both times, uh, I think they were successful. One went for 49 yards. Tunnel screens. So you name it, Malik Neighbors can do it. What is not to like about this young man's game? Well, this this kid, this this week, well, it helped that the quarterback was on too because the quarterback yeah. probably played his best game of the season. And we talked about the Florida State game where he was not on quite as much. No, no. But when you give this kid the opportunities, this kid is as polished of a receiver coming out. I think he has good speed. He is so smooth on that double move where he caught the ball along the sidelines. Very good route runner. Has a knack for playing the position. Excellent hands. Uh, will catch in traffic. Contested. This guy, to me, has a legit chance to be the number one re- or number three receiver off the board. Oh boy, I thought you were going to say number one. I was going to have to stop the podcast. <laughs> We'd be so, we would be then. Diva would say, "Just stop evaluating talent." Okay. So wait a second, though. I have him right now. Who's your number two, Keon? No, uh, Abuka. Oh, right. You love Abuka. That's right. That's right. Amika Abuka. I haven't yet watched Ohio State because they haven't they haven't really played anyone yet. Uh, that'll have that'll change this. They place Notre face okay. Notre Dame on Saturday, so I'll be eyes on that one. I had uh, Malik and Abuka about the same late day one guys right now, based on what Malik did over the weekend, Malik Neighbors. Um, but this guy feels like a day one guy, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a first round pick. Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure we're on the same page as that. Yeah. I don't have a real comp. Does uh, one go through the roll decks for you, or you're not there yet? For what? For Malik Neighbors, a comp. Uh, a faster Smith than Jigba. But Jackson didn't play outside that much. No, but this kid is as polished of a route runner. Okay. Or as good as, and I just think he's a faster Smith than Jigba. Yeah. And Jackson ended up ran, running a four or five as pro day. He plays faster than that. Malik Neighbors, I don't know what he's going to run, but he plays fast as well. I can't imagine we're living in a world where this young man has 13 catches for 203 yards, two touchdowns, and he does not get pop pop. So I'm going to pencil you in, you in as a pop pop, Rick. Oh, you're you are on it today. I am on it on three hours of sleep. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have a couple things to hit on, but we're going to start with the rookie quarterback performances from the first round picks right after this. Right. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Rick, let's talk about the rookie quarterbacks who went one, two, and four. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. We're going to start in Houston where Anthony Richardson faced off against C.J. Stroud. C.J. was 
questionable, I believe, early in the week with a shoulder. He ended up playing that game, throwing the ball 47 times, so I guess the shoulder's okay. Anthony left with a concussion, and this is becoming a theme. First game, he took on Josh Allen, the edge rusher for Jacksonville, and got stonewalled, and that hurt late in the game. This game, he had the two rushing touchdowns. The second time, he banged his head on the turf, and you can say whether it's turf. I think it was grass. It wouldn't have mattered. He would have been concussed. He, he landed pretty hard. And let's start with that. So Jalen Hurts and, and Debo had talked about this on the Sunday Night Podcast. Jalen Hurts is really good at avoiding hits. Russ Wilson is really good at avoiding hits. Russ, RG3, excuse me, was not. And that was part of the reason his career was shortened. And I know I've asked you this before, but how do you sort of drill into Anthony's head that you, you, you got to be less available to get destroyed against NFL football players? Yeah, it's just got to be smart. You just have to show them examples of other quarterbacks and what they do, especially with the unique physical ability that he has, because you have to stay healthy. Um, because there's no question watching this game here, the freak athlete continues to show up. We get out, you know, the quarterback draw, he goes in untouched. I understand, you know, where he gets hit, but he doesn't have to take that hit. He's still going to score or if he dives into the end zone, just avoid as many hits as you can live to play another down. And you don't have to truck guys because they're a little different, uh, breed of cat up here in the nfl right. <laughs> the collegiate yeah, and they're going to whack you if they get an opportunity to whack you and so i think once he learns that and i think this is all great teaching points then he's going to be pretty unique and pretty special um but you don't do the same things as a runner that you did in college and i think he will eventually learn that hopefully getting hurt the first two weeks of the season will get the message into his head. Um, he's a smart kid, and he's a very, uh, by all accounts, a very. I'm the biggest, as Pete calls me, a meathead. A thick, <laughs> you know, I'm thick through the head that takes me a few few reps before I figure out that hey, you can't do that anymore. Right. Actually, go around the wall. Don't run through the damn brick wall. Why? It's <laughs> <laughs> this time. <laughs> but you know, I, I think part of it is that he is. He grew up uh, in Florida. I don't think he left home at all. I think he's like a, a, a hometown kid and very focused on football, a very like all shucks Mayberry type guy. Not, you know, he's not glitz and glamour from, from what I understand. And he's laser focused on football. And I'm sure the competitive spirit, and we saw all that competitiveness at times show itself when, with the frustration of not doing what he thinks he's capable of. But I, I think you have to be extremely happy with where he is in his development when he's on the field and some of the decisions he's making, throwing the football as well, if you're Shane Sykin. The, the freak thing that I thought was incredible uh, was that he scrambled to his left, and he actually threw it with his left hand. It wasn't a complete pass, but uh, – that's, that's a heady play. Like, he's not trying to complete the ball. He's like, let me get it out of bounds. Yeah, and that was a great heads-up play of avoiding a sack. And he actually threw the ball pretty good left-handed. So <laughs> – you know what my comp for him left-handed is? Tim Tebow. Tim Had to get that Tebow. in. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> I lost you. The, the arm talent is still is incredible. The accuracy is still off on some throws. He's getting better getting through his progressions. Yeah. Uh, it's it's You can almost talk about, we'll talk about all three of these guys, but it's kind of fun to watch the maturation process of these guys as they continue to go. But – I think Anthony Richardson will learn, and he's learning it the hard way, um, but he will learn to be smarter instead of taking some of the unnecessary hits that he needs to take. 
Okay, let's talk about the quarterback on the other side of the field. C.J. Stroud, the number two overall pick, 30-47 for 384 and two touchdowns. We talked last week about his debut against the Ravens, which is up and down, and understandably so. The Ravens were getting after it. I thought he did some good things as the game progressed. I'll be honest, I only watched the broadcast of these three quarterbacks. I didn't have time to get to it because Devo gave me so much homework, and I was also just traveling from the Stanford trip. So you have to give me the Cliffs notes. of, And it sounds like you were impressed with C.J.'s development from week one to week two. Oh, my God. From yeah, I remember – this kid made probably the biggest strides out of any of these young quarterbacks from what we saw in that New England first preseason game. Oh, yeah. Remember that? He did a terrible interception. That's right. To where he's at right now. He is so much more poised in the pocket. And, again, he's getting rattled pretty good. They're they're getting a lot of pressure on him. But the one thing that I really noticed that he has taken strides in is when he feels that pressure coming on the outside – a lot of these young quarterbacks, because they were just better athletes than what they faced in college, would kind of try to scramble around outside that rush, yep, hitching up into the pocket. And that's a sign that this kid's starting to get it. So as pressure comes on his outside, you see him hitch up and take a couple steps up in the pocket, keeping his eyes down field and making some incredible throws. Now, he took – they're not all of them aren't taking a lot of shots downfield, but he's at that intermediate level. And some of the timing throws that he's hitting between the numbers at the 15 to 20 yard mark is yeah. very good. Uh, he can make the throws outside the hash. He is athletic enough to make plays with his feet. I think this kid, Anthony Richardson, is showing because of he's such a great athlete. And we'll talk about Bryce Young, but this kid has made huge strides. And his accuracy has much improved. If you wanted to say, you know, he wasn't the athlete that Justin Fields was coming out because we really didn't see his athleticism. That was one of the knocks on him coming out in the draft. Yeah. That Georgia game. Now you're seeing that. But he is a much better thrower than Justin Fields is, in my opinion. No, that's right. We said that repeatedly last during the draft process. He will throw with anticipation, which is, you know, sort of a drum we continue to beat. Uh, Debo makes note that uh, right now, Anthony Richardson has the second favorite odds to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I don't know who number one is, but I can guess. Yeah, no, it's your low-hanging fruit guy. <laughs> it, it rhymes with B. John Robinson. Um, all right, let's talk about Bryce. Again, I just watched the the game last night um, while we were while I was doing CBS Sports HQ, so I didn't get to see it closely. He had that fumble in the first half that you, you can't happen. You like to see him throw the ball on time, but I haven't gone back and watched it with the details. Just my initial TV impressions was that he didn't make a lot of improvement from week one. I was okay with week one other than the two interceptions, of course. But how did it look to you when you went back and watched his throws? I, I thought he did make a step forward this week when I watched He did, that. yes? Yes. Okay, go ahead. He moves around well in the pocket. He was pressured a lot. Um, he's getting the ball out. The one thing that I noticed on uh, one particular throw, he was getting the ready to throw the ball in the middle of the field last week. Uh, Jesse Bates got him twice on that. Yeah, one he recocked because he read that guy. So to me, oh, okay, that's a sign of growth. Um, but he he made some nice throws, especially late in the game. Threw a great route down the field. Then he threw the touchdown to Thielen. Then it was typical Bryce rolling to his right on two point conversion and let patient, patient, and then dumping it at the last second for the two point conversion. Does he still have to grow? Yeah. Did he miss some throws? Yes. He can't turn the ball over when he scrambled. That three points, they were in field goal range right before the half. That three points ended up 
costing them the game. But I think he's continuing to grow as well. I was really impressed with where we saw these guys in week one of the preseason because we've been watching these guys yeah. and where they're at now and where they're going to be five weeks from now, where they're going to be at the end of the season. Yeah, I'll go back and watch these guys this week, and I'll, I'll be caught up to speed there. But that's a good point. Anthony Richardson had that sort of weird interception early on in the Bills game in the preseason. We talked about C.J. Stroud's pick against the Patriots, and Bryce was running for his life in that preseason opener. I don't even remember who they were playing, but they he he didn't stand a chance in the handful of times he was on the field. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to give you my top five rookie non-quarterback performances from Sunday. And, Rick, you can tell me if you like them or not right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. All right, let's get through these top five guys here, Rick. I didn't watch every single rookie performance, but these are some of the ones that uh, that popped out. Me and Debo had a, a confab. I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm using it. And then I went back and watched these guys. And I didn't rank them solely on their stat line. I went back and watched them and, and made some inferences and and came up with this list. At number five, Marvin Mims, second-round pick out of Oklahoma. We talked to him at the Combine. Smart dude, a hard worker, plays with an, an edge, even though he comes across as soft-spoken. And he was a... a favorite target, if you want to call it that, for Russ Wilson. Two receptions, 113 yards, a touchdown. Um, he also had a punt return for 45 yards, and that's an added element to his game. He, he got the ball, uh, got the punt, and just punt return right, and then outrun every, everyone to, to about midfield, if I recall correctly. Um, first target was uh, tight split, middle fill open, and, then, and the safety doesn't get over quickly enough, and it's the easiest 60-yard touchdown throw Russ Wilson will ever make. It was just basically a 60-yard handoff. But Marvin Mims is outrunning everyone to the end zone. We saw that at Oklahoma all over the tape. Um, what were your impressions of Marvin, who's number five on my list? Yeah, no, speed. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty evident. Yeah. yeah. Turn when he blew by your corner, Forbes. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, he stacked Forbes for sure. That's right. On the go ball, uh, they gave him a couple of jet sweeps and, and whatever you want to call them. He's just so smooth and so fluid, and he runs so easy. He just makes it look easy, and he's just on top of the DBs before they know it. And he blew by that safety that you were talking about earlier, and there wasn't even a chance. Oh, that. Kareem Jackson got burnt? So, no. Uh, this uh, Kareem Jackson plays for Denver. Oh, sorry. Uh, who's the safety? Cameron Curl? Uh, I don't know who it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. But – Speed shows up and expect a lot of big things and a lot more explosive plays out of this kid. Yeah, he's fun. Speaking of explosive plays, a similar size player, but he's somehow more explosive, I think, at least short area quickness-wise. And that's saying something because Marvin Mims is, does not lack in terms of quickness or speed. Number four on my list is Zay Flowers, four receptions, 62 yards. I double-checked to make sure I didn't miss it. He didn't have any any kick or punt returns, although he's certainly capable of doing that. I'll just say it again. Like, they get him the ball in space and let him do his thing. Todd Munkin's like, uh, we're going to run some – some flats. We're going to run some swing routes, tunnel screens. Just let him pretend like it's a return situation, and then he makes people miss an open field. My comp for him is 
Antonio Brown in his prime. He's not that big, not that much smaller than him, but in terms of his short area quickness and his ability to make people miss. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, that's very good, Ryan. You are doing an excellent job with oh, your comments today. You had to are- with only with short. You're actually better when you don't have any sleep with your counsel. I know, right? <laughs> I should sleep less. <laughs> but no, his vet, he plays like a veteran. His presence, his route running ability, his rack, uh, run after catch ability, uh, even a deep shot that he went up and got down the field for Man. a guy that was impressive. Uh, very elusive. I mean, he got up, they ruled him down, but he must have juked those three guys six times before they, before they blew the whistle. Uh, but no, he's uh, he's an impressive uh, playmaker and a great pick by Baltimore. And Lamar looks like he's got something to prove the way he's playing. He's playing from the pocket. He's making he's good decisions. This week than I thought he did in opening week one. Thought yeah. started to seem to be more in sync, starting to grow. Uh, I think Munkin and, and, and Lamar are getting on the same page. Munkin's starting to understand the weapons around him and how to utilize them and, and getting into the flow of a play caller, again, at the NFL level. So yeah. I think that's all going to continue to improve. Yeah, good point. Todd Munkin came from Georgia, where he was OC there before. Previously, he'd been in the NFL, too. All right, number three on the list. And, I mean, he should be number one based solely on his numbers. Um, but I got a couple other guys. Puka Nakua, 15 catches, 20 targets, 147 yards. Uh, most receptions in the first two games of a career of anyone on planet Earth. Uh, last week, he went for 119, which was tied for the team lead with Tutu Atwell, if I recall correctly. We talked about him last week as well. Uh, I mean, look, we went through this last week. He was a uh, day three guy. He fits exactly what Sean McVay wants to do. They have him running hitches and slants all day long. Shallow and- crosses. Shallow crosses. He ran that corner out last week that you talked about. That was a great throw for Matthew Stafford, but they're not asking him to do a ton of that. He just finds the hole in, holes in the zone. He has good hands, and then he has some yak ability because he's a pretty thick dude. Uh, I mean, what's not to love? <laughs> I don't think he's a great run-after-catch guy. I think he, he gets what's given to him. Now, he'll break a tackle here or there because of his size, but if you have him with – I mean, you, you tell me since you're the uh, guru on this – uh, podcast. Would you rather have Zay Flowers after oh. the catch or this kid after the catch? I mean, what are you doing with yourself? Where, where are we at? What, what are we doing is, right now? He's running through arm tackles. That's a better way to put it. Yeah, he's not juking guys out of their sneakers. That's right. Yeah, and he's getting a lot of opportunities. He's taking a lot of. He's taking advantage of those opportunities. Now, when you see Mims run jet sweeps or those reverses, and why are you comparing this guy? By the way, I got him above those two. Debo notes that you've now come down on Puka two straight weeks. He's a fifth round pick. I'm not coming down on it. I'm just saying that you're mad at me. I'm just mad. (laughs) (laughs) He is a smart, savvy, plays like a veteran, knows how to work the underneath routes, knows how to find open areas in the zones. He's a better player above his neck than he is below. With all the natural, he doesn't have the natural physical gifts some of these other guys have. Yeah, but right. he's so smart above the neck is why he's having. The- he's he's not as good an athlete as Adam Thielen in his prime, right? No, Adam was a little quicker twitch into and out of his routes, but also smart and understood where to be and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. And I will say this: I do not understand if that's his only target. As long as Cooper Cup is out, just have your just play man. 
<laughs> that's the other thing. Yeah, that's weird. Two straight weeks, he's just been standing in the middle of the field catching catching uh, warm-up passes, basically, and going for over 200 yards. He's number three on my list. He apparently, Debo, Rick has him dead last among all rookie performances over the first two weeks. And but I'm I, not going to discredit what he does because that's pretty, pretty incredible f- production. But I'm giving you a hard time. Targets, but he is not as gifted athletically or flowers in my, <laughs> that's some, that's some high level, uh, GM talk right there. Uh, Puka Nakua, not say flowers athletically. If I said that you would have killed me. All right. You're well, right. I get apparently it. Apparently you think that because you put him ahead of those two other two. You can't overlook the 15 catches on 20 targets. Okay. Okay. Fantasy land guys. Have you ever seen it? What like Antonio Brown would get sometimes double digit targets, but like does Justin Jefferson, has he ever gotten 20 targets? That, that's insane. No, I don't know if he's, he gets a lot of targets. <laughs> man. All right. Number two on my list. You will not dispute this because I, man, I went back and watched this guy. I'm disputing this. You are? Oh, I thought he had a great game. Christian Gonzalez, cornerback out of uh, New England, their first round pick. He was on the list last week as well. That interception was one of the most impressive interceptions I've seen in, in a little bit. The one against Tyreek Hill late in the game. It was the only snapping coverage, at least where he was playing too high safety. He usually lined yeah, up out, out. from the safety position. But he had to do the baseball turn. He was, And, and the reason yeah. that Tua threw it was because Christian's back was to the sideline where Tyreek was. He turned around, Christian did, and then high-pointed the ball. Now, he's much taller than Tyreek, but Tyreek's a great athlete and also incredibly strong physically, Tyreek is. And, and I give him credit because one of the issues we had with uh, Christian was whether he was going to be tough enough. Not that whether he's a tough person, but in terms of matching up against these physical wide receivers. And and I, I came away pretty happy with the way he played, not just on that play, but also against uh, the Dolphins and also last week against the Eagles. Yeah, no, he had a good game and he's getting better. I thought he took strides from week one to week two. Uh, it was a great interception, getting off the hash, reading the quarterback's eyes, anticipating going up and high and point the ball. You know, the question, he, no, he didn't have him in Oregon, was the ball skills. Well, that question was answered just watching that one play alone. Pretty quick, yeah. I thought he was more physical and run support. Yeah. And he's improving in that area. So I agree with you that he took big strides this week. Oh, so you're kidding? He's number two for you or not? You okay with that? Or should he be number one? Well, no, I would put Puka's number one. I'm just kidding. Oh, God. I can't take this, Devo. <laughs> I'm working on 15 minutes sleep and got – Got the comedian over here. Uh, by the way, Debo notes that Jefferson had three games with six, 16 targets, and they were career highs for him. So he's no Puka Nakua is what we can say about Justin yeah, Jefferson. No, I know. If you, you would take Puka over JJ, that's fine. <laughs> Every day of the week. Come on now. Ryan, right. jumping on FanDuel and, and putting 12-1 to 1 on Christian Gonzalez, defensive rookie of the year. Oh, yeah. So Debo, if you're listening, has the odds up for a um, NFL defensive rookie of the year. Christian Gonzalez is 1,200-1. to 1. What does that mean, Rick, 1,200-1? to 1? That means if you put one dollar down, you can win twelve hundred dollars if he wins. Not, not again, best gambling podcast in the nation. Plus twelve hundred or twelve to one. Twelve hundred to one would be a little different. All right, twelve to one. One dollar gets you twelve bucks. Twelve hundred, or am I not seeing that? They're basing it. They do it on a hundred scale. Right, I agree with you. I have to do the math because again, like as Debo notes, we're not gambling experts. But how do you feel about the these longish odds of Christian Gonzalez? Would you put that down on him? Because he's had two good games. But again, Jalen Carter's ahead of him. Will Anderson's ahead of him. Yeah, no, I think he's popped up. Yeah, he's. Uh, do these odds change every week? Yeah. Oh, they yep. do. Yeah. Okay. So if you if, let's say Jalen Carter wins it, but what if I? What was it before? Like twenty two hundred dollars to one. Probably it was probably much higher. Exactly. He's played well the first two weeks. Like oh, back in. 
what if I bet like in the first week I put a dollar that I can win twenty two hundred dollars now it's twelve hundred dollars. What if it ends up at twelve to one odds and I only win twelve dollars? No, you're locked in. Whatever you get the number at at the moment you make the bet, you're locked into that. So you don't have to worry about it changing. Hey, Rick, when you picked Jack Campbell preseason, <laughs> he was at around fifteen to one odds, and now based on two games, they have him down to thirty to one. So it's like if if you see value and you still think he has a great chance, like thirty to one is much better number you to can get double it your money if you feel good about it when two weeks ago three thousand to one it's plus three thousand divide by 100 and then you'll have it <laughs> or don't it's up to you <laughs> but uh good game for christian gonzalez i don't know if i if he's rookie of the year yet i think we didn't talk about jalen carter today i didn't watch him yet but last week that was man that might last him for a month or so in terms of his rookie of the year votes number one no surprise bj robinson Again, turns out he's worth the number eight overall pick, even though he plays quotation marks running back. And we had some injuries over the weekend to the running backs, which is terrible news. Saquon hurt his ankle. He's going to return at some point in a few weeks, hopefully. Unfortunately, Nick Chubb is lost for the season uh, after that hit from Minka Fitzpatrick on Monday night, and that's a terrible blow. I'm glad that uh, Chubb was able to get that second contract. Um, hopefully he comes back 28 years old, and he's stronger than ever next year. But uh, just a, sort of a note on the running backs and, and – their precarious situation with trying to get paid and all. But Bijan has been so much fun to watch the two games. Ran the ball 19 times for 124 yards, had four more receptions for 48. It feels like every time he touches the ball, he's going to get seven or eight yards. I think he averaged over five, maybe close to six yards per carry. Close to six, um, if I can do the math there in my head. What do you think about Bijan, and uh, should he be giving the ball more often? (laughs) No, why, why would we want to give him to our best offensive playmaker? Why would we do that? <laughs> now, speed, the athleticism, the power. I mean, he's trucking dudes on contact. The one thing, two things that really stuck out to me this game was that there is no hesitation on him running inside. Once he sees that crease, he is gone. Um, and a lot of times these young guys will try to, because they're so fast, like to bounce it outside. This guy is going right up through the chute uh, and with no hesitation at all. The other incredible play that wasn't, it seemed like a big number play on fourth and one. He pitched, they pitched the ball to him or he got to the outside and he made two guys miss and got two yards. It was a great run because that ended the game. It was uh, late. I think it took him inside two minute drill then in the fourth quarter, but just his ability to make that play sealed the victory for Atlanta. So Drake London wasn't targeted very much in week one, if I recall correctly. He did get six targets for 67 yards. But if Arthur Smith is leaning into this run game, why, why are we taking Drake London with a top 15 pick, whoever he was last year? Like, are we using this guy or not? Like, what's the plan? Yeah, no, I think they'll use him. And I think the more confidence that Ritter gets as he continues to grow, okay. he's got, you know, he's making enough plays to keep the Falcons 2-0. and They're playing better on defense. And they got a, a probably – if I bet a dollar on him, I would lose a hundred dollars because it's probably minus a hundred or whatever the hell that means. Because this dude's going to be the rookie of the year if he stays healthy. <laughs> you got to bet the hundred up front. You can't. They don't. They don't come back to you after you lose your bet and try to collect. Because typically people don't pay on that. All right, I'm going to ask you this question. We know Puka Nakua is uh, short area quickness better than Bijan, but Bijan or Zay Flowers, who's no, better? I disagree with you. No, of course Puka's not. I'm joking because <laughs> you, you're killing me on Puka. I want to ask you, though, short area-wise, making guys missing the, the old phone booth there, Bijan or Zay? Who are you taking? Ooh, 
I would take Bijan because it's more impressive because of his size. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. No, I, I think that's right. He's, yeah. He's fun to watch. And you know what? We talked to Zay at the at the combine. Um, I think you were doing one of your side jobs and Bijan was on set, but we talked to Z- Bijan uh via the I podcast here. Yeah. All great guys, all kids. Yeah, so wonderful. And I'm glad these guys are having success. The joke went right over Rick's head there. I didn't get it. <laughs> the Puka joke. You, you thought it was serious. What planet am I saying Puka is more athletic than Bijan? I don't know. It's like you're on the Puka bandwagon. I mean, I on the, oh, it's called the Puka wagon, by the way. <laughs> we got We got to make a Rick hate list, and, and Puka is number one right now. <laughs> yeah, disrespect. I love Puka. Don't get mad. Hurts, Rick, number two. Who's number two? Jalen Hurts. Hurts. I, I don't forget. <laughs> oh, yeah. What did he say about Jalen? He said he wanted him to go into the game as a punter. Oh, never mind. Don't repeat it. I don't want to yeah. I forgot about that part. I know he loved him in the senior bowl, the interviews or the, the combine interviews. All right. That's it, Rick. By the what, way, did you, what do you have to look forward to on Thursday? Oh, it's a mailbag. So no homework. Oh, no homework. We're going straight out the shoots. Well, Debo may have us do some evaluations for some of the five-star reviews, so he'll let us know about that. But I don't think it'll be the 27 people that typically he sends us on Monday morning and expects us to have ready by Tuesday. I thought we did pretty good. You picked up the slack on on me not watching those quarterbacks. I'll get back to watch those guys. Um, but, yeah, I think that's it. So if you like what we do here, take a quick second to give us all a thumbs up on YouTube. If you love what we do, subscribe to the old podcast with a five-star rating. And remember, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts with a prospect name, and we'll evaluate that player on an upcoming show. We've done it a handful of guys already. We'll do some more in the coming weeks. That's it, Rick. And that's that's, a, yeah, I'm glad that's clarified because I the five-star thing got me confused. Oh, you thought doing high school kids. Yeah, you like, have to get the huddle tape. Watch this five-star high school kid. I don't know. what. Have you ever watched it? When's the last time you watched a high school all 22? Uh, when I went and watched my kids play. Oh, okay. You go back and watch the coach's tape? Uh, no, I wouldn't watch the coach's tape, but I would watch the uh, – the uh, I watched some of their stuff on Huddle. I did if I had time. Uh, just, <laughs> yeah, Man, that, that that's a lifer right there. That's hardcore. So, all right, we're not doing any high school tape here. Five star reviews on the podcast that Devo tried to show you how to give us a five star from. That's what he means, Rick. So, no fear there. It's amazing that's- how things aren't clearly laid out. I mean, if someone's taking everything literally, that's you true. Have- you do take it. That's on us. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. You're you're a pocket passer, and we're trying to make you be Michael Vick. That's on us. Debo, fit the quarterback in the system. Don't try to put the round peg in the square hole. Just be clear on the assignments. That's all I'm asking. I can I can hear Debo shaking his head. I don't even have to see him. Somehow, Rick, Debo has survived 81 episodes, so congratulations to Debo. That's amazing he's done 81. Countdown to 100. We'll do something special. All right. Thank you, Rick. Thanks, as always. Thanks to Debo for producing. Thanks to all you guys who watch and listen. Comment. Get your mailbag questions in now. And we'll see you guys back here on Thursday for the old mailbag episode. There's a very bright shining light, Sarajevo. And they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future.
future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount+, Plus to try it free. Terms apply.